Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Can you believe it? This is episode number 400, and I'm happy to have uh, Ryan Carter of DC Outfitters. We're going to talk about Utah, mainly going to talk about elk. Uh, the application uh, period uh, is is due here for Utah March 1st, so this is going to be a good episode uh, breaking down all the elk units. I want to thank Ryan for coming on and spending time with us. Uh, guys, I want to thank you guys for all your support that you give this podcast. I want to remind you that you can always send me an email at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. You can send me a direct message on Instagram at jscottoutdoors. I thank you for all the support. I also thank the sponsors, uh, gohunt.com insider for their title sponsorship of this podcast remind you that if you want the best resource for all the harvest statistics and draw odds, uh, go to gohunt.com forward slash insider. Use the J. Scott promo code. When you sign up, you're going to get a $50 GoHunt gift shop gear, uh, gear shop gift card. That's going to be a credit uh, $50 you can use towards purchasing uh, great gear in, in the gear shop. I want to thank Go Hunt for their sponsorship. I want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting, Jason Harrison. Uh, make sure to go to kuyu.com uh, and find out why Kuyu makes the best ultralight hunting gear on the market today. Uh, also, phonescope.com, uh, Cheston Davis. Uh, over there in Beaver, Utah, they adapt any phone to any optic, uh, whether it be spotting scope or binocular, uh, to any phone. You can be taking photos and, and videos immediately through your phone. Uh, the quality uh, you'll see on my Instagram, all of those are phone scope videos. Uh, go to phonescope.com, use the JScott16 promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount. And then the Outdoorsman's, the Optics Authority in Arizona, Cody Nelson and his crew. If you're looking at buying any optics, uh, backpacks, tripods, they, they make all kinds of gear. Use the J. Scott promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount uh, over there. Guys, let's dive right in. Don't forget the application deadline for uh, Utah is March 1st. We're going to be diving into Colorado. We're going to be diving into New Mexico. Uh, we've got a lot of great things coming over the next couple months. If you have any questions, make sure to give me a give me a shout, and I'll try and get it answered. Let's get right to it. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Tonight we have a special guest. We've got my friend Ryan Carter of DC Outfitters, who has been just slaying the big bulls for years up there in Utah. I've got him on the podcast here to pick his brain. We've got a application deadline coming up uh, March 1st uh, in the state of Utah, and I thought uh, having Ryan on uh, would be a, a good guy to talk to. We've had him on the podcast before. Uh, Ryan, how's it going? I'm doing good. How are you, Jay? Good. Uh, I understand you had a snow day today up there in Utah, which, you know, normally we wouldn't talk much about, but uh, this year it seems like it's been uh, pretty dang dry. Uh, what, what were the conditions today like, and, you know, what have you heard around the state? Um, honestly, I, I, I was up plowing all night, um, got done about noon today, slept for three hours, and here we are. So I, I haven't checked the news, but locally we got quite a bit, um, to 7 to 12 inches, depending on where you are in the valley. Uh, we desperately needed it, so um, while I hate doing it, uh, I'm, I'm happy to have it. So we're good. 
For sure. Is, um, is plowing snow uh, what you do in your day job, or, or how does that fall into what you do? Um, I have a property management company where we do uh, services for commercial properties, uh, mostly all exterior type stuff, um, landscaping, snow, pressure washing, lot sweepers, that kind of stuff. Um, I just, <laughs> because it's been such a dry winter, I, I've had to drive a lot more than normal because I don't have the employee backing that I usually do. So it, it's been kind of busy and slow at the same time, but uh, we really needed the snow, especially for the herd, so I'm super happy about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, what town do you live in, Ryan? I live in Spanish Fork, Utah. It's about dead middle of the state. I'm maybe an hour south of Salt Lake City. That area has seen a tremendous amount of growth over the last handful of years, has it not? Yeah, yep. Um, it, it, it's pretty crazy, the growth around here, especially right where I live. This was all... Um, I mean, really rural where I'm at. It was all peach fields. Um, anymore, there's some, I don't know, 2,100 homes just in the last three or four years. It's pretty crazy. That is incredible. You know, I've had you on the podcast before, and, um, you know, we've, we've talked about some of your successful hunts. So uh, uh, just come off the uh, Western Hunting Expo, I actually missed you uh, in person um, but I saw several of your uh, past hunters uh, that had hunted with you in the last couple of years and a couple of the big bulls, uh, the, the big bull from last year. Um, I heard it was at the show, and it made uh, uh, quite a, quite a uh, scene, and um, it's always great to go to that expo. And um, for one, for me, getting to, to um, you know, shake hands and meet podcast listeners, but uh, from a conservation uh, aspect, you know, and raising all that money that that expo does, it's just phenomenal. Um, you know, the state of Utah has been doing that for some some time now, and from a longtime resident there, Ryan, what have you seen as far as um, improvement projects and quality of, you know, the, the wildlife, and how has it benefited from some of the fruits of labor from uh, all of the volunteers and all of the organizations that are, um, you know, able to put all that together? Wow. Um, well, first of all, sorry I missed you. I, I really did want to meet you, shake your hand a little bit. Um, and, and having the bulls there, that was, that was fun. Uh, and, and the, you know, the one archery bull that we killed last year, that was, he held a pretty good presence, you know. He's just crazy wide and cool-looking bull. Um, those tags um, bring in an impressive amount of money. Um, you know, I, it, the uh, just just my area that I was bidding on this year, um, we quit bidding on the tags at fifty thousand. Uh, it seemed like that was the premium and the rifle, uh, the Archery, I think, sold for around 23. I didn't bid this year, um, which is about par. But you know, there's a lot of tags that go for 70,000 strong, even a couple that break 100,000 every year. Um, it seems like they do a pretty good job of, of bringing in a lot of revenue. Uh, I, I don't know 
I know it's been controversial the last few years as far as where all that money goes and how it's all distributed. The state kind of puts out there where it all goes. Uh, I think Utah does a really good job of managing our herds despite what everyone seems to be complaining about. Um, if, if you look at the age class of the bulls killed, uh, the, the harvest objectives, the percentage of success rates on hunt, they hit the numbers that they're aiming to hit. Um, I see a lot of chained areas. Um, there's a lot of prescribed burns that do wonders for a lot of the units. Um, you know, and even where I guide, you know, I run a bunch of my cameras out in the desert uh, a long, long ways out, and it's amazing to me when I trip on guzzlers out there that the state's put in uh, – you know, they might have made an announcement that we put in 12 guzzlers or they used the Boy Scouts to put some in, but they never say where they're at. Or I, I think they do a pretty good job of trying to keep our herds healthy. So uh, despite all the controversy with it, there, there is a lot of money put into Utah that I don't see a lot of other states um, keeping up with. And I, I think our herds look really good. So no complaints on my end. I, I, I like the fact that we do have tags that they auction off. Um, some people get mad. They say our, you know, it's changing the heritage of the sport and turning it to a rich man's game. Um, and and I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the case. You still have your chances of drawing tags. Um, and and there's a lot of tags that. And there, there's there's tags I could buy for eight grand. I could sell a four wheeler and pick up a elk tag or or drop one of my whitetail leases and and pay for that hunt. And I could go hunt elk next year, and I, without having to wait ten years, I think it's a great opportunity and a, a great way for the state to make revenue. So um, no complaints on my end. I, I I like what the state's doing, and they're doing a decent job. Yeah, and I mean. Anytime you get a situation like that, you're going to have differing opinions and what have you. Being an Arizona resident, it's kind of my opinion uh, as an outsider that, you know, yes, there is some opposition to it, and yes, some of the opposition is quite loud, and they do, you know, definitely make some noise. Um, but it seems like most that I talk to are, are, are super in favor of what's going on and the direction that Utah's you know, managing their wildlife and what have you. And, um, you know, so it's always one of those things being an Arizona resident and, you know, not really having my pulse on what's going on out there that, yes, there is opposition, but when, I mean, I talk to a lot of people at the expo, you know, just getting opinions and what have you. And, and, and you know, obviously maybe the people that are totally against it won't even be at the expo, but, um, just seems like, uh, you know, you guys are really moving in a great direction and seems like a lot of that money, um, you know, does get back onto the ground and, and um, go, goes back into wildlife and back into habitats. So and my hat's off to you, you know, your state for, for you know, taking such an active role. Um, I, I really want to talk to you specifically. Uh, you've had some phenomenal success. Uh, as an outfitter uh, there in Utah, specifically uh, talking about elk. Um, and, you know, you've got a handful of units that you really, really like. But one thing I wanted to point out and kind of ask you some questions about is, you know, 
that success that you have has not come easy in the fact that I know you spend a lot of time running trail cameras and you've done it consistently. Um, talk a little bit about some of the success that you've had over, you know, I'm going to just say like over the last five years specifically, um, four or five years, it seems like every year your, your clients are killing a 400-inch bull or a giant at least, um, you know, 390-plus type bulls. That didn't just happen. You know, a lot of people don't see the hundreds of hours and thousands of hours and all the money that you spend on trail cameras and the time that you spend. Talk a little bit about how that has really played into your success of being consistently producing giant bulls. Well, <laughs> so uh, there's, a, there's a lot in that question. Uh, you know, my elk hunting's evolved quite a bit um, just based on the, the, the topography of where I hunt. Um, I grew up hunting here centrally in Utah. Um, I have family property on the Wasatch, the Manti. Um, I grew up guiding on the Nebo. Um, all of those units uh, ha have great genetics. They, they don't manage them for big bulls anymore. That's why I moved south. Um, a lot of glassing, a lot of oak brush. Um, so I, I grew up glassing. I grew up bugling bulls, um, ch chasing on foot, just like I, I do down south. But down south, where I guide, there's no glassing areas. There's no... Uh, most of the bulls hang out in areas where it's, I mean, it's just tight timber for miles and miles and miles. And even if you get out of the timber and you drop into the lower country, it's still high, high elevation desert with uh, pinions and junipers. Um, you just, I, I don't even carry glasses much. So my game had to evolve a little bit. Um, that, that's where trail cameras came in. Um, I do run a pretty big fleet of cameras, uh, I think. I personally had 85 or so out last year. I think the guys that guided for me had about 20 each. So in total, we had some 130 or 140 cameras running on that mountain. Um, and it is a lot of time. Uh, my, my main guy that helps me had a baby last summer. So I did the majority of the, the work. Uh, I think I did close to 700 miles on my boots. Um, before I killed my archery bull last year, I was, you know, we'd, we'd put about 700 miles on our boots. I think we, uh, the, the bigger bull that we killed in the archery season, uh, I think I was 42 days into that bull. Uh, the other couple rifle bulls, by the time everything was said and done, I think I was on that mountain close to 63 days. Um, so yeah, I, I put in a considerable amount of time, but I, I, I spend a lot of my time trying to pattern the bulls, not just um, find one. So, you know, I, I kind of run a lot of cameras, and then as I start to create a hit list of bulls, I, uh, I, I move my cameras. I start setting up a shotgun area and try to figure out their pattern or their rotation. So rather than sitting on ridges and glassing and, and, and watching bulls like how I grew up doing, um, I've had to do it in tighter quarters where uh, using a spotting scope isn't really what I do. So it, it's just evolved a little bit, and I, I think it's improved my game uh, slightly. I mean, my, my results have been good, so I can't complain on how it's gone. For sure. Um, 
I want to talk to you specifically about the units that you guide in, obviously the applications for uh, the big game uh, animals in Utah are due March 1st, and I want to talk to you specifically about elk. I want to talk about the archery season, the early rifle, the muzzleloader, and the lay hunt. Um, and, and first and foremost, what would you say – you know, what units do you guide in the most, your guide service, whether it be you, your guides, you know, like where is your area of focus and how do you work that? Um, you know, is it one unit? Is it two units? Is it six units? Like what, what are you working? Um, so the last three years specifically, I, I've been stuck on the Boulder unit. And, and I, I say stuck like I, I don't like it, but um, I, I don't necessarily like it. It it's producing great bulls because it's such a hard unit to hunt. Um, but it is a hard hunt. There there are some funner hunts that are more elk savvy, where where you're getting into traditional um, elk hunt, the bugling bulls, the the glassing. Uh, this unit's hard. That's that's why we're killing big bulls, and that's kind of why I've been stuck on it. Um, like I said, I, I grew up hunting other units, um, but the last three or four years specifically, the boulder before that, I was running the boulder and Dutton at the same time. Um, and, and then before that, I was doing the Nebo Manti at the same time. But that's been almost, I think my last time I was up there was 2008, so it's been 10 years now. And... You say the boulder, the last three years specifically on the boulder, you've been stuck on the boulder, but you've produced three years in a row. I mean, the biggest consistency, the biggest bulls that have been shot um, year in and year out. Are you saying that you don't necessarily, you love the boulder in its own right, but there's other units that you would have more fun doing what you do? Exactly. Is, Is that what you're saying? And then my question yeah. would be, even though it's more fun, isn't it more fun to kill 400, you know, 390, 400-inch bulls? <laughs> uh, 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 or would you trade that in every once in a while for a 375, 380 bull, but you get to glass them, you get to call, you get to do all that kind of stuff? <laughs> I, um, I wouldn't trade it. I, I think... I com- I think I complain about it because it's such a hard hunt, um, but I-, I I love it at the same time. Um, I I enjoy um, trophy hunting for what it is. How- however you want to take that term, whether you think it's good or bad, um, I like targeting the older age class. Um, I do the same thing when I go to Iowa or Ohio or Arizona. I I try to take the oldest animal possible um there's there's health reasons for that that help the herd and population uh, all the same um i i do fill my freezer every fall in november with whitetail which i love so being able to guide in september I, i'm not hunting for meat i'm able to take clients and go for the oldest bulls possible so i wouldn't trade it um i, I do love being able to create a hit list of bulls um, kind of, and, and I do this on all units. Um, once we start finding the bulls we want to hunt, the, the very first step in any hunt is figuring out what the age class is on that unit. 
like once you pull a tag um, and you start doing all your scouting and all your research, the first thing you want to do is find out what your age class is and kind of figure out what your kind of what your goals should be on that unit. Um, that that Boulder unit that I'm on, um, because because it's such a hard hunt, because there's not a lot of glassing, the age class is up quite a bit, um, and that that's why I do it. Um, that's why I stayed on that unit because well, there, there's a couple things that contribute to that. Um, one, I think that the Boulder has a uh, a late rifle hunt that is not very effective. Whereas a lot of units like the San Juan, um, the Dutton, it's some of our premier units that have some of our better genetics have a really effective late hunt. The bulls are isolated on south slopes. There's no leaves on the trees. Guys consistently take out our 360 and 370 class bulls that are up and comers for the next year. And so without that hunt being very effective, um, I am getting a better age class. Uh, the boulder this year, for whatever reason, did have a really good late hunt. Um, they did take out some of my favorite bulls um, on that late season rifle hunt, which isn't very typical. Typically, typically um, the age class is down on that hunt, if and the harvest is actually low the, statistically. And so I, I usually have a lot more bulls rolling into a year um, whereas this year I've, I've had a lot of them taken out, which I, I'm not sad about. I just, I'm going to have to grind a little bit more this year. Was it an anomaly of a year that all of a sudden, the, you know, the boulder late hunt, they actually killed some good bulls, or is it kind of one of those year in and year out, if the right hunters, the right locals, maybe even some of the competing guide services, if, if you know, if, if they happen to have clients, it just so happens, or was it just one of those things that, they they killed some good bulls. Uh, I I think a little bit of bulls. I I think it was just one of those years. Kind of the bulls pulled into their winter grounds a little early. We had some October snowstorms and they dropped pretty fast. Um, I I think that contributed. I think there was a couple of really good outfitters on the mountain. That I am getting quite a bit more competition as far as outfitter goes down there. Um, so there was a couple of those. Um, but I, I just think it was just one of those years. You know what? Our, our rut was the same way last year. I have never experienced the rut in September like I did in 2017. Um, I, I mean, literally calling in 30 to 40 bulls a day. I, I mean, it, it was nonstop. And typically I have, on, on that early rifle season, I have two or three days at least that it's bad weather, that's bad wind or a bad moon or bad rain. The, the ruts hit and miss. Um, this year was a consistent nine days of craziness, and I think almost everybody would kind of um, agree to that. Uh, but I, I just think things kind of come together every now and then. And the late season last year did kind of the same thing. There was a bunch. There was kind of a a combination of a bunch of things, and a lot of good bulls died. But um, typically, that's not the case. No. Okay, let me ask you kind of a series of shotgun questions here. Um, if, if, if you could have a tag, so it's just, you know, just think, think, think big here that you could just have an archery tag, in the, archery elk tag in the state of Utah yourself, what unit would you want the tag in? 
Well, I'd pull the boulder just because that's that's where I think I could get it done. Um, what would be so number two? Um, I would probably go Monroe. Okay, number um, three. Just San Juan, for sure. Number number four. Uh, Dutton, not because of the age class, but because I love the mountain. Number five? Um, roadless book cliffs. Does Beaver even make the top ten? I, I don't know the Beaver that well. Um, Beaver, so, you, so you're not picking Beaver just because you don't know it. Not right. necessarily. Okay. Um, well, and, and I, I look at the Beaver. I actually fly the Beaver every now and then. I know where they hang out in the the late seasons and where their winter grounds are, I, I don't hunt them in the summers ever. And so when you're asking archery specifically, I, I hesitate a little bit just because I don't know it so well, but the beaver has great okay. genetics, some of the best in the state. Okay. What about if I ask you early rifle, maybe your top three or four or five choices in order, what would you say if, you, if I could just give you an early rifle tag what would you choose? Um, again, I'd probably, I'd probably start off. I, you know, they'd probably run in the same route. Um, okay. Yeah, just just because of more age class than anything else. Um, I don't know. There's there's a couple iffy units on there, but I yeah, I'd probably run the same route. Because the archery rolls right into the early rifle here in Utah. I mean, you know, if, if you're into rut, ch chasing rutting bulls, um, typically where the bulls end on the early or the archery hunt, early September, they roll right into the same areas on that September hunt. So I'd barely be fairly consistent in knowing where the bulls are on those units. So I'd be comfortable there. Is it? Pretty common that the you know the following day after the archery hunt in, you roll right into the early rifle hunt. Would you say that the bulls are pretty much cranking by then, year in and year out? And and I mean, is the best bugling for sure right during the early rifle, or would you say it's it's actually you know towards the beginning of the muzzleloader hunt? Um. I think it depends on the year and the moon patterns. Um, there there are years when Utah's a little bit early and the moon's a little late, and the muzzleloader's a lot better. And then there's years like last year when it was way better early September, and as we rolled into the muzzleloader, it wasn't as good. Um, but, you know, the, the first five or six days of muzzy, they were blowing pretty hard too, so I, I don't think anyone had any complaints. Um, that, that's, that's a hard call. But they are almost everywhere, every unit of the state, by that early rifle, they, they're piping off pretty good. Are you surprised the amount of money that the tags brought at the expo? Um, it seems like the economy's going good again, and it seems like uh, the tags, like you were saying earlier, it seems like they just brought, you know, pretty crazy money. Does that surprise you? Um, or do you think just 
you know, good economy and, and, you know, good elk hunting, good results. And the fact that there's, you know, not tons of great elk hunts out there, it's a supply and demand, just it's obvious that the price is going to go up. It's probably a little both. I mean, the economy is doing really well. Um, I think uh, that there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of hype built, especially Utah. I don't, I don't know what it is about Utah, but I, I think there's a lot of hype around it. Um, and and you know, in in its own way, it's well deserved. But um, I think. I, I'm, I wasn't surprised at all at, at their price increases. Um, in fact, that where I where I had told my people I was bidding for my clients um, where the tags would land, they hit there. Um, just because I, I knew the demand was up, I knew the economy was up, and, and I figured they'd be going another five to ten thousand more than they typically typically go. And that seemed like all around the board seemed like most all the units, at least at the Salt Lake Expo. Uh, went up quite a bit, whereas some of these um, local chapter shows where they're auctioning tags, they're sitting about par where they always do. And so, you know, and, and that's something people should take into consideration is, is that, you know, a lot of guys think there's this big expo in Salt Lake and they that's where they auction all the tags and then it's done when it's really not, you know, I'll, I'll pick up some of the same tags that I missed bidding on for 50 grand. I'll bid it in Southern Utah. I'll pick it up for 25 or 30. Um, there are other opportunities. Um, and, and I, I don't think a lot of people know that or capitalize on it, but they'll all stay about the same. And I, I think it's just a combination of everything. Good economy, just a lot of hype on the units. Um, I shoot myself in the foot every year because I put a lot of hype on that unit. And it just, you know, we've probably pulled, um, I, I would guess, at least 50% of the max point holders that were all holding out for San Juan onto the Boulder unit. Um, for, for good reason. The San Juan hasn't been doing very good. Um, the Boulder's been cranking them. Um, but I, I, think, uh, I think there's kind of been a tide shift a little bit in some of our premier units. So, I you know, I, I, to answer it, I, I think it's a combination, but I wasn't surprised at all. Okay, what I want to do, um, if, if you're willing, I want to just uh, bang through some of the, the units, and I just want to say the name and have you kind of talk, you know, what comes to your head, first thing that comes to your head, maybe, you know, talk about trophy expectation, and just kind of a three or four or five sentence, you know, or if you don't know the unit, just say don't know it well, and we'll go to the next one. We'll just kind of um, fire through some of these, and you can, you know, um, if you've got any wisdom or any anything that you know about the units, uh, anything that jumps out at you. But but for every unit, if you can, kind of talk about kind of expectations, you know, if someone were to put in for that hunt, what, what they should expect to see and or harvest, um, and for, for that matter, we can just kind of talk in, in terms of, you know, if, if one unit jumps out at you as it's a great archery hunt but not a great late rifle or, or vice versa, you can you say, you know, that's a good late rifle or whatever, okay? You got it. I'll do my best. Okay. We're just going in alphabetical order here. Beaver East. Um, Beaver East, upper age class. 
premium unit, good genes. Um, most of the bulls that come off there are in that 340 to 360 range, although every year there's a 380 plus or two or three that come off. They've had years that um, seems like back in 08, 09, um, seven or eight or ten bulls came off over the, in the 400 range. So um, it's got great genes, but uh, if, if you pull that tag, I wouldn't hold out for monstrous. 350 bulls, a good bull for that unit. Do you think with the burn in there um, that has allowed guys to glass it way more than they used to? And yes, it produces big bulls, but it, they're they're sitting ducks out there. It, they're decimating it on the late rifle season. Yeah, it's okay. really it, it's done some amazing things for the unit. It seems like the vegetation's way better. A um, lot of new growth coming in. The herd's really healthy, but both. There's a couple units that that's hurt. The the Dutton's one, um, the Beaver's one, and this year you're going to see a lot of big bulls coming out of the Penguin Lake area. Uh, Penguin had a big burn last year. Penguin has some giant bulls and great genetics, and I think that burns. Some guys are really going to capitalize on that unit this year. Good stuff. Book Cliffs, Bitter Creek South. Uh, great unit. Um, I'm a, the, so the, the book cliff has great genes, both roadless and roaded. So the, the South and the North units, um, I, I, I do shed hunt it a lot. I don't spend a lot of time hunting it. Not since I was a kid anyway. Um, a lot of your bulls that come out of there in that 330 to 350 range. Um, but there's some great genes in there. Um, and, and, and I mean, man, they, they kind of cover a lot of ground. So that one's a hit and miss unit. It, with the right amount of work, though, you can really capitalize on some big bulls. Um, I understand the roadless does not have a late rifle hunt. It surprises me that the quality isn't higher. Why do you think that, you know, isn't it kind of a 320, 330, 340 type unit? Um, the roadless isn't. The roadless is um, one of our premier units. It's a, a six to seven year old bull unit. Um, I think the, the part of the problem with that unit is uh, the, the, the access. I mean, it, it is unbelievably big. It is hard to get back into some of that country. Um, I've floated the river a few times coming down from Vernal to shed hunt some of that country, and it is mind-blowing. I mean, you could spend a month back, months back there and not touch it. It's big, big country. Um, and they're great bulls. I think last year I pulled three, three sets over 380 off that unit um, and probably close to 100-plus sheds. Um, all great, great bulls. So I, I, I'm surprised that the success, success rate isn't as great on that unit, but it's, um, it's, it's one of those sleepers, and it requires a lot of work for sure. And, and it borders an Indian reservation, and I think that hurts it a little bit, but not a whole lot. Okay. Box Elder Grouse Creek. I don't know it. Box Elder Pilot Mountain. Um, hunted deer out there a lot. I, I don't know about bale curds. Cash South. Um, so the cash units, both north and south, 
Um, I think they're sleepers right now. Uh, they, I don't know if you saw at the show, there was a bull in Hunting Pools booth uh, of a bull that went 426, typical six, um, biggest typical now in the state of Utah next to Ron Skaronsky's. Um Unbelievable bull. I don't know if it came out of Cash North or Cash South. Everything I keep hearing is rumor. Um, I actually went over and congratulated the hunter, and he was kind of snobby, so I just patted him on the back and walked away. But um, I had another friend that was hunting Cash North that I know he was on Cash North that was seeing some just bomber bulls, um, 360s and 380s. Um, I, I think he killed a 350-something, um, but that was after targeting one bull, and he stayed on him for two or three weeks before he disappeared. Um, and he was probably bordering the 400-inch range. Um, I, most of the bulls that come off those units, though, are younger bulls, 280 to 320-type bulls. I just think um, for guys who are willing to work, those units can produce some great bulls. The genes are there. I, that 426 typical is one of the most amazing things I've seen in my life. I, I had him next to one of the bulls we killed, and he just swallowed him. It looked like another species. So really? the genes are there. Yeah, oh, it was amazing. And, and you know, Hunting Fool, they were doing their thing, and nothing against it, but, man, they, they did a disservice to that bull sitting him in a corner by himself because he just looked like a big six. But if they'd put a 380 bull right next to him, I, I mean, that would have been a showstopper. But he is what he was, but yeah, it was impressive. And I think those units can be great for someone willing to put in a little work. I'm looking at the Go Hunt Insider um, draw odds, and Cash South is only eight points to draw that archery tag. That's interesting. Um, okay, Central Mountains Manti. Uh, Manti is one of my favorite units. Uh, just just a great area where there's lots and lots of elk. Uh, managed for a younger age class, though. You know, I think it's managed for a four to five year old bull unit. Um, most of them are just that. A lot of 280 to 330s come out of there. Um, there there are 10 or 11 uh, that will break the 350 mark, and every year one over 370 comes out. And it's typically on the late hunt of that unit. Um, they're just really healthy, really fun hunt. Um, it's one you don't have to wait 20 years for. Um, and there are areas that you can get back away from people and just have one of those epic hunts. I, I love the Manti. Great unit to put in for. Central Mountains Nebo. A uh, couple units that uh, Utah is changing up this this uh, this year um, is they increased the age class of the Nebo and the Dutton specifically, from what I understand, um, giving away less tags for those units this year. Um, Nebo, uh, there there were a handful of 360 type bulls come off last year, um, but most of the bulls are in that low 300s. Um, they have great genes. I have killed 400-inch bulls on that unit, um, but they've, they've kind of decimated the herds. However, I, I think coming back, um, if they give it two more years, the Nebo is, is going to be a great unit to put in for. Um, I've been telling my hunters, 
I'm like, you know, it just you're you're kind of on that verge of the point creep. Let's let's go for broke the next two years, and then we're going to switch you up. Nebo is one of those units I'd switch up on. Um, it's really roadless territory. It's it's a high mountain range with one road going over the back. So everywhere you hunt, you're dropping 2,000 feet and then coming back out 2,000 feet. Um, it, it can be a brutal, brutal physical hunt, but great bulls, great elk herds. I, I mean, it's a fun hunt. Fillmore Pavant. The Pavant um, is, is doing less than it has done in the past. Pavant, uh, you know, Doyle Moss and Caleb Lemon and some of these guys really capitalized on a few years of just four years of the Pavant. Uh, it's a great they have great bulls and great genes, but the last four or five years it's kind of struggled. There's been one or two pop out of there. Um, I watch those bulls in the winter quite a bit. I shed hunt that area. Uh, I'm not seeing the age class that I have in the past. Um, I'm seeing a lot of... Uh, 340-type bulls that, you know, might turn to 360s. Even more than that, lots of just small six points. So um, I, I think if you love the Pavan, I would hold off a year or two and see where it goes. But um, it, it is a great elk hunt, and it's another one of those steep mountain ranges that you, you'll be doing 2,000 feet in a day. It, it can be hard, but it's a fun unit. LaSalle. Uh, LaSalle's is another one of those sleeper units. It's had a lot of burns on it. Um, the elk herds are pretty healthy. They, they've been healthier. Um, but uh, And most of the bulls that come out of there in that high 200s, low 300s. Um, but I had some friends hunting deer on that unit that showed me video of a few bulls that were in the 350, 360, 370 range. They were pretty impressive. So I think with a little bit of work, that unit can be done, and the nice thing is that unit can be pulled. It seems like um, you might you might be able to pull it up on Go Hunt faster than I can through my notes, but I, it seems like you can pull that unit in under five, seven years. And so that's a nice thing about that unit. You won't be waiting forever as a non-resident to pull that tag, and it's beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful ranges in the state, but um, the age class isn't there. The Monroe. Um, Monroe looks really good. Uh, I, I think people underestimate that unit. Um, they, they did pull, let's see, Nate Robb pulled a 400-inch bull off their archery last year. Um, seems like a lot of the bigger bulls that come off the Monroe are killed either during the archery or the late rifle in November. Um, it does have some really good south slopes. Um, I drive through that unit a lot. I stop and look at the bulls. I, I haven't seen anything eye-popping recently, but um, watching over Tides Up videos, I think I, <laughs> I need to be spending more time on that unit because there, there's some great bulls and great genes running around on that mountain. Um, I would, if I was looking at that unit, I would consider the archery or the late rifle um, more than I would the rut hunt because it seems like people are more effective in years past on those two seasons rather than during the rut. Mount Dutton. Uh, Dutton, I touched on just briefly. Again, I think they're up in the age class on that unit, which is really exciting for me. It's one of my favorite units. Um, sits right over the top of Bryce Canyon. 
lots of desert. Uh, most of the bulls coming out of there right now are in that 330 to 350 range. Um, there was one or two that hit 380 last year. Um, I think it's coming back. Um, I know of one or two that I think are pushing the 400-inch mark right now. I think in two years that's going to be another one of Utah's premier units again. Nine-mile anthro. Nine miles, a lot of private property in and out. Um, it, it can be it can be an okay unit because you can draw it fast, but there's not a lot of uh, big age class. There are some great genes in there, and there are some bulls that get killed in there that are fairly big every now and then, but it's really rare, once every five years. Um, if, if you're just looking for a fun, easy draw, that's a great unit. Ryan, I want to take just a quick break here real fast to um, mention my sponsors of the podcast, and I want to thank Gohan Insider for their sponsorship of this podcast and remind you guys that if you're not an Insider member, you can go to gohunt.com forward slash insider. You can use the J. Scott promo code, and you're going to get a $50 Gohunt gear shop gift card. I want to thank them for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. Uh, in my opinion, they make the best uh, backcountry ultralight hunting gear. Go to kuyu.com to check out all of their stuff. Uh, phonescope.com, a Utah local company uh, right there in Beaver, Utah. Uh, use the J. Scott promo code when you go to phonescope.com. You're going to, excuse me, J. Scott 16 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount. Uh, and the outdoorsmen in Arizona use the J. Scott promo code. Cody Nelson and his crew there, outdoorsmen.com. You can also call them on the phone at 1-800-291-8065. You get a 10% discount if you use my name there. Uh, Penguich Lake. Uh, Penguich Lake is another one of those uh, just sleeper units. Um, I, I've actually been telling a lot of people to put in for it this year. I think that burn's going to help. Uh, I, I think we're going to see a lot of big bulls come off the penguins this year. Um, again, kind of like the Monroe, I typically see the bigger bulls coming off Penguins Lake during the archery and the late rifle. Um, the, the rut hunt isn't as effective there. That or the people drawing that unit aren't as savvy. Um, which might be the case because a lot of locals hunt both of those units, whereas there's not a lot of outfitters on them. So, um, do, do you but, think it's possible that those bulls go over to the beaver to rut, and then they come back for the late for the late rifle? They come back in winter there. And do you think absolutely. with that burn being there, do you think some of those bulls are actually going to stay there and really rut on the Penguin Lake? It, it's possible. Um, it's possible that the the cow herds might. Uh, not leave, and, and they might get a little thicker through the burnt areas, and the bulls might stay. Um, that, that's very valid, and I, I haven't even thought of that. Um, they do migrate. Um, there, there are bulls that pull on back and forth between each unit all the time. In fact, um, one of the bigger bulls that came off the Dutton, um, they called him Bigfoot, I believe. Uh, he was killed on the Dutton late. Apparently, he summered on the Monroe early. Um, they do run back and forth quite a bit, but um, there are a lot of local bulls on that unit that are just phenomenal caliber of bulls. Um, you'll get the same kind of mass and big wide gene that I'll get on the boulder of the Dutton over there on Penguin Lake. And so 
um, if I was sitting below the point creep and I was looking for a unit that I might um, really crush, the Penguish Lake is one I would look at. Okay, the Pontagon. Um, Pontagons uh, managed for lower age class. Uh, I, I do see some of the local guys killing some okay bulls, a lot of, you know, 330 type stuff, but most of the bulls come off there. They're really young, five points. Um, a lot of the elk hang out in the same areas, and most of the hunters are all congregated in those small spots. And so um, it can be a tough unit to get away from people. But um, it, it's a pretty hunt. I mean, it's right on Bryce Canyon. It's the Pontagon's beautiful, but um, not not known for big bulls. Okay, we've already talked about a bunch about the Boulder um, Fish Lake Plateau, Fish Lake Thousand Lake. Um, Fish Lake uh, is one of our better elk herds. Uh, lots and lots and lots of elk you can get sick to your stomach chasing bulls all day in there. Um, it is managed for a younger age class. Um, but a few 360s, 350s come off every year. Um, and, and every other year, one giant one comes off the Thousand Lakeside. Um, but most of the bulls that come off there are, are fairly small. If you're looking for a fun elk hunt and a chance at a 340 type, um, that's a great unit for you to do without having to wait 20 years to draw. Um, it, it's a beautiful unit. It borders the boulder. In fact, one of my bulls that I watch year after year is right now wintering on the Thousand Lake Fish Lake unit. Um, they, they sometimes they stay. <laughs> so, the, with a little bit of work, you can kill a monster on that unit. But um, more often than not, that unit's just fun. Okay. Um. San Juan. Uh, San Juan is is looking par for the San Juan. Um, a lot of a lot of really good genes on that unit. Five year old bull can break that 350, 360 range, which is what carries that unit. Um, seems like the Mossback crew really capitalized some big ones last year. I think they broke 380 half a dozen times on that unit. Um, and they do every year. There is one or two 400s that come off that unit. It's still our premier unit. Um, it's not doing as well as the Boulder, I, I think, due to a few outfitters, and I think due to the late hunt. Um, the late hunt on that unit's really effective. Although you, you're not killing big bulls on the late hunt, they're the 350s and 360s that are going to be the big bulls next year. So um, I, I think. That unit's still great. It's still a it's still a beautiful hunt. It's still um, lots of elk, but the age class is down. Um, I I don't think you would be disappointed in that tag ever, but it is hard to get. That's one of the hardest units to pull in the state. South Slope Diamond Mountain. Um, Diamond Mountain uh, produces a couple four hundreds every year. The, the problem with Diamond Mountain is it's checkerboarded with private property. Um, it's really hard to navigate, and you really have to know your stuff um, to keep from trespassing. Um, so a lot of those bulls, they get big because they go into private where people don't hunt. 
they cross back through the public during the night. Um, I, I did see video of two bulls this winter on Diamond Mountain. Both, um, it, it, in my opinion, would break four. One of them, I think, will break 420. Um, Diamond Mountain's got some great genes, and there's, you know, a pretty healthy elk herd. Lots of locals hunt it. Um, I, I think uh, with the right outfitter, a non-resident could do really well. But I wouldn't... Um, I, I probably wouldn't try tackling it myself without a local guide, I don't think. Southwest desert. Southwest desert, the herds are looking pretty hard. Um, it has been pretty, in the past. Pretty bad, you mean? Yeah, they, mean the, it rough? has been in the past, our, our, one of our best units. But the last couple of years... Um, I, I don't hunt it. I've shed hunted it a few times, and I, I fly it every now and then. Um, it, it's been five or six years since I've seen a really big bull on that unit, although it, it's it's a hard unit because it's so deserty. You you get those old bulls that hang out in the desert, and no one sees them, and nobody finds them, and all of a sudden just one pops out that's huge. Um, age class is down, though. Uh, I, I, I don't think it should have the hype it does right now, but there are some people that really think there's still some of our best elk on that unit. Wasatch. Um, Wasatch gets a lot of hype from social media. Um, I, th there was one 400-inch bull killed up there this year. Um, he, he bordered some uh, private land. I think that's part of the reason he was so big. Um, most of the bulls that come off that unit are really young, five points, small sixes. Um, you get an outfitter on that unit, I think you can break 340, 360. Um, but that's about as big as they get for the most part. Um, I have heard about one bull that's that's bordering four that's on it now that's on public land. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's rumor. I did see the video. But um, for the most part, it's, it's a unit for a younger age class that has a lot of tags. There will be a lot of people because uh, I think there's 270 tags on that unit, and while it's a big unit, all 270 of those tags have 10 guys with them, and it seems like you're on a general season hunt when that thing opens up. So <laughs> it can be fun. It's a, it's, a great, it's a great unit for guys that live close and can go up and watch bulls every day. Um, I wouldn't invest a lot of points on that unit, though. West Desert Deep Creek. Mm. Spent a little time out there. hasn't been hasn't been producing what it used to. Uh, I, really, I probably should pass because I, I recently I haven't spent enough time out there. Okay. Um, I want to ask you about. We're gonna, I want to shift gears just a second. You've done a great job with elk. I want to ask you about general season uh, mule deer hunting. Um, in Utah, it's pretty interesting. You can apply for limited entry deer deer units, um, and then you can also do uh, general season deer. One question I would have: with as much time as you spend elk hunting, do you spend a lot of time um, either with a dedicated deer hunt, uh, you know, de dedicated deer hunt program, or in the general season, and or are you pretty much just focused on elk? Um, I, I stopped my dedicated hunter program two years ago. 
I, I have done dedicated since it started. It seemed like that was around 93 or 94. Um, and, and then last year I did draw an archery tag. So I have consistently carried a mule deer permit in my pack uh, for as long as I can remember. I don't think I've hunted mule deer one day since 2005, um, like taking a day and actually tried to go kill something. Um, Utah's herds are uh, not what they used to be. Utah, uh, back in the 70s, carried 2.2 million deer. Um, you know, we had a couple big winter kills, seemed like 78, 92, knocked our herd down to 200,000. It's been a slow decline ever since uh, due to predators, due to the state not um, doing what they needed to to increase the health of the herd. And I, I think part of it is, is due to elk as, to, as well. I think I think the elk, um, the increase of our elk herd, which in the 70s was uh, sitting at like 5,000 and now is at 80,000, um, I do think the elk herds do cause a little bit of damage on our mule deer herds. Um, I... I, I don't see a lot of big deer where I'm at at all. And, I mean, when you consider how many cameras I'm running, it, it's pretty shocking that I don't get a lot of big mule deer on there because that area back in the day was known for giant mule deer. Um, I, I think a lot of the states the same way. I, there are good deer killed every year on public land. Um, most of Utah's big deer are all coming off to the desert right now. Our high country muleys have suffered quite a bit so um, anywhere where you're hunting a lot of slick rock seems like there's a couple big muleys coming out every year you know that there was a couple on the boulder there was a lot on the zion um the the beaver has great genes and one or two comes off every year but the majority of a lot of the general season deer hunters are taking small two points uh 20 inch four points um but there are a few that slip through. Um, I, I'm not a huge mule deer guy because I've, I've just been stuck guiding elk. I am sitting on 20 mule deer points right now that I'm about ready to cash in. <laughs> um, so I'm hoping to get back on the mule deer game, but um, the, the, the herds just aren't what they used to be, and it's, it's sad. I, I think there are desert hunters that are really – just crushing it year after year here because people don't hunt like they used to. Um, but you don't see the caliber that you used to here, especially on the high country type hunts. Doesn't think it comes down to they're just shooting too many deer. I mean, if, if oh, you know, absolutely. Utah's got awesome opportunity, and we talk about it, and I've talked about, you know, what an opportunity to have general deer where you can just go hunt deer. But, I mean... The reality is they're just killing too many deer. If they went, you know, three to four, five seasons and cut those numbers in half of their mm -hmm. harvest, there'd be, would you not agree, there'd be really big bucks kind of all over? No, oh, I, I, I agree completely. And I think, so they're trying to, without taking away all the tags from the people, you know, they, I mean, think about this. They, they give out 90,000 deer permits buck deer permit per year in the state and we only haven't heard of 80,000 so you, you can see how it's kind of contradictory to good game management that's why you see a lot of dead two points here 
um, they are shifting a little bit and trying not to take the tags away from the public because even at 90,000 tags, now there's so many hunters, guys are waiting three and four years for a rifle tag um, before they actually pull them. But they've divided the state into, into units, and a lot of them follow kind of the boundaries of the elk units. They'll be the beaver east and the beaver west. There's two different deer units on that elk unit. And, the, you know, the, the, I think they're trying to split up the people and try to not make it as effective of, of a hunt. And, and this year they've, they've proposed some other plans, and I haven't dove into them too deep because I'm not a mule deer hunter, but it seems like we have two seasons now. There's an early rifle and a late rifle, and I think they're trying to integrate a little bit of what Colorado's doing for their resident seasons. But all in all, um, the state would really benefit of, of cutting back tags for a few years and, and try to let our age class get up a little bit. I, we have can, you imagine the up, can you imagine the uprising if they cut back on the general season? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, it, so it, well, and I, I think, I think there would be a population that would be grateful you know, but I think the mass majority, the good old boys, the, a lot of the rifle hunters would be really upset about it. Um, yeah. But, uh, it, it, you know, hunting is conservation. I don't think it's something that should be ignored. I, I think yeah. it should be talked about. And for sure, Utah has the habitat to house maybe not the two million deer we had back in the day, but... I, I really believe we have the habitat to house the 200,000. We should really be pushing that objective onto the public and trying to let people see, you know, I, I'm not old. I'm, I'm in my 40s, but I, I remember our herds where, you know, we, we would head out going south and you would see two and 300 deer in one herd. I remember hunting the beaver and just early in the morning the sagebrush was moving because the deer were like ants there were so many um it, i know we have the habitat for it I, it's just getting the general population to get on board with maybe cutting back and and seeing you know if we are truly hunting for meat and we're hunting for conservation maybe we need to step up for conservation for a couple of years I, I don't know how to push that but i think it does need to be talked about a little bit. For sure. I think it's, I think it's something that needs to be talked about for sure. Mm. Well, we've covered a ton of ground tonight. Um, I want to commend you on your success and also just being so um, free with, with uh, you know, your info and, and, you know, your knowledge and sharing that with us. And um, you've just had an unbelievable success and, it's easy to see how your track record has been so good. You're, you're, you know, very, very upfront and, and um, obviously hardworking. And I enjoy following your stuff on Instagram. And, and uh, it's always great having you on the podcast. So I just appreciate all of the insight and want to give you a chance to let the listeners know how they can follow you, how they can find you, uh, how they can reach out to you. Um. You, you know, I, I, I don't run a website. I, I book out every year without doing a whole lot of advertising. Um, I, I do run a pretty good social media page, and it's it's pretty much the same. Uh, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Ryan DC Outfitters, Ryan underscore DC Outfitters. 
Um, there is a DC Outfitters Facebook page. Um, personal name's Ryan Carter. But I, I think I maxed out a long time ago on friends. So that I, I think you can follow. I, I'm not a big Facebook guy, although Facebook does generate a good business page, so I keep it updated. Um, Jed, and it means a lot to hear that from you. I, I appreciate your uh, your support, and I, I love sitting down and talking with you every year. It, it's always good to hear from you. Right on, buddy. Well, God bless, and I'll see you down the road. Sorry I missed you at the expo, um, but uh, I'll see you down the road and keep up the great work, okay? Awesome. Thank you, Jay. All right, buddy. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Have a good night, and bye. Bye.